space to speak your mind with Cornwall Mind for better mental health. Welcome to a space to speak your mind, a radio program and a podcast about mental health and well-being made by people with lived experience in association with Cornwall Mind. We do occasionally cover subjects that some listeners may find distressing and for more information, help and support, you can visit cornwallminds.org. Welcome to the December show. I'm Richard and on the show today, we'll find out what makes us strong with 2021 and 2022 World Strongest Man, Tom Stoltman. As many as two in three adults in Great Britain who have experienced any gambling problem have kept this hidden and almost two in five of those who hadn't opened up state feelings of stigma such as shame, guilt and fear of judgment, representing key barriers to reaching out for support. We'll find out how to break the stigma with NHS GP Dr Ellie Cannon. Experiencing a bad night's sleep has a profound impact on how we feel physically and mentally, so we'll find out how to get a better night's rest with clinical psychologist and mental health expert at Headspace, Dr Sophie Mort. That's all on this month's show. A space to speak your mind with Cornwall Mind. Sometimes the heaviest weight can be lifted by starting a conversation. This sentiment is shared by three men who are at the heart of an inspirational campaign, each with a unique story of mental health struggles and the strength they found in opening up. Tom Stoltman is the 2021 and 2022 World's Strongest Man Champion and shares this emotional strength it took to free himself from the shackles of his bedroom to opening up in the gym. Going from strength to strength and becoming the World's Strongest Man two years in a row and he joins me now. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me on. It's going to be good. <laughs> I wonder if you wouldn't mind telling me a bit about your story, particularly around how you started going to the gym and the reasons behind it. Yeah, so I'll uh, do it, keep it short and sweet. So I was diagnosed with autism very young age, about 10, 11 years old, going through the school system, jobs, nothing really worked for me. I was getting bullied. Teachers told me I wouldn't be able to do anything in my life. You know, on a committing suicide, and they said they had there locking myself in my room. Felt like I was in a jail cell, to eat in my room, stay in my room, play Xbox, wouldn't come out my room. And then it was about 16 years old. It was actually my big brother, took me to the gym, and I just wanted me to try something new, see how it felt. It helped him with his issues, so... He thought it might help me. And you know, I used my support of Blanca and I had him as a support person. So I just went in with him, didn't talk, didn't do anything, just got on with what I was meant to do, just listened to my brother. Went in, lifted weights, went out and did that kind of every day. And yeah, I didn't quit. And that was the thing. It felt like that day, that day I went to the gym, I was reborn. Um, all my life before that had kind of just been forgotten about. And, you know, I was able to open up then about having autism and having my struggles and yeah, the gym and opening up were the two things, you know, that saved my life. I mean, you know, there's like a research that, you know, from L'Oreal Palace men, expert that shows only 14% men in the UK regard being vulnerable with friends or family as being strong. And, you know, that in itself is, you know, a very, very low percentage. And then, you know, it's compared to the 28% who feel that, feel it's about handling other people's problems. And that they don't care about themselves. And that's what I used to not do. I used to always make sure other people were okay or built up all this kind of emotion and didn't really understand my life and stuff. And, you know, these statistics are so low and they should be like this still to this day in the UK. And as a nation, we need to do so much more. But yeah, I think, you know, opening up, going to the gym, men coming up to me, these big, massive men, not just, you know, normal men, you know, men that are like, like, well, these guys are coming up to me and, you know, telling me, telling them about problems, going back and forth. And we created the gym as a safe place, as like a culture for men to open up in. And to this day, that's kind of my, you know, my coping mechanism now as well. And, you know, like I said, the gym for myself has changed my life. I think people think I overreact to, you know, I was on the blink of suicide and going into care to then going to the gym and now having this kind of an amazing life and be able to tell my story 
And I use autism now as a superpower. The same as mental, people can use mental health as a superpower. It is an absolutely an amazing thing if you use it to your advantages and you just wake up every day knowing you're invincible and knowing you can rule the world with this powerful thing that you got that not everybody in the world has. So yeah, it's, a, it's very powerful. Yeah, it's using your strength and finding a purpose in life as well, isn't it? And I think sometimes it's using the experiences we've been through to help others. Yeah, 100%. I mean, like I said, you know, I had a lot of help when I was younger and now I'm trying to help other people. And, you know, like I said, there's always been a stigma around male vulnerability and, you know, I was one of them as well. But it's it's just trying to get them to open up and, you know, me being a bigger guy, I think people think that there's no problem with me. I think no one, even to this day, people don't think I have autism. They're like, oh, we didn't know you had that just because, you know, I'm just a massive guy that just shouldn't have any problems with myself. And that's where, you know, physical strength, there's emotional strength and, you know, obviously emotional strength is a big one for a lot of people and that was where I suffered with as well. But I think really think not just to get into strong, but just a gym as a place in itself is a really safe place where, you know, you create this environment and everybody's there for a reason. It's just to work out. And a lot of people that go to the gym have got these mental health problems or do have some sort of like problem that they want to get out. And the gym is the best place to do it safely, to not put violence on other people and to not harm yourself as well. And I think, yeah, it's a place that you just have to go to keep fit, but also to train your mind because it is one of the most powerful places you can go to. And having those social connections are so important. The fact historically men maybe didn't talk so much. And I suppose even in that environment, historically, maybe it kind of felt a bit like that's not the place that you talk, but it really is the place. So what do you think it is to be emotionally strong or, or just to be strong in 2023? I think to be emotionally strong, I think, yeah, I think, you know, opening up, I think, like you said, you know, the heaviest weight is lifted when you open up. And for me, that's been a very powerful message because I've seen it firsthand when, you know, people have come to the gym and they have problems. But like you said there, you know, they think it's not a place where you open up and talk to people because they think it's just these big men. But, you know, I've had people cry because their emotions just get let out and, and then this big weight gets lifted off their shoulder. And I think that's what 2023 going forward is the biggest thing is basically that's kind of an easy thing to solve, but it's the emotional kind of thing. It's trying to get that next step for people. Like, it's okay if I open up. It's okay if I do this. It's okay if I be vulnerable to big guys. It's okay if I be vulnerable to strangers, anybody. It's just that. And, you know, it's, that's the thing as well. It's, social media can cause a lot of people to feel very uncomfortable in themselves and very vulnerable. And that's, you know, you look on social media every single day and you see fitness people, you see all these kind of, there's a lot of fakeness on social media. And again, I think that's a bad stigma about it all as well is, you know, trying to stay off social media a lot and try and just, not say but don't compare yourself to other people because these fitness people on social media it's a lot of photoshop it's a lot of lighting it's a lot of fakeness and you know that's in itself you want to have that real kind of you just want to be real you just want to stay away from social media and try and just do stuff that makes you happy but yeah emotionally we need to get ourselves better and by doing that we need to open up and make ourselves kind of very comfortable but opening up in a safe way and are you finding that men are talking more about mental health and well-being from your own experiences you know i think there's still, I mean, obviously there's still a lot of work to do. We need to have, like I said, safe places. And for example, you know, November have a, you know, if you go onto their kind of website, they have a support page. And I think people need to see different things like that, you know, where they can, we can, they can go on the support page and have lots of different kind of helpful resources that they can go to first. Because, you know, I've seen it the first time as well that, like, like I said, people come to the gym or go to me and they're just, they're too scared to open up, even though it's your friend, even for their family. They just, they want to be able to read in it to themselves. And yeah, I think, Still to this day, there's still a lot of work to do. I think as a nation, like suicide rates are at a high still in Scotland, especially. And at this time of year, there's a lot of people that take their own lives because there's no help for them. Is you know very very sad to see, and it's not getting going down. It's it's on a rise, and 
that's just as a nation, as everyone, as myself, yourself, everybody, that we're not doing enough to shout about mental health. And that's why I'm trying to shout about you know, autism, changing it from a label to a superpower. There's more what we need to do with mental health, and that's finding resources, finding a like, comfortable place where people can go to, making a venue where people can just go and open up and not be judged. Because, you know, that's why some people, men, don't open up, is because some do get judged, but it's just doing more things every single day to try and make people comfortable to opening up. So tell me more about this campaign that you're behind and some of the other people that are behind it as well. Yeah, so there's, you know, the first kind of footballer, Jack, he was, he, was placed, but he was the first openly gay footballer as well. And again, that's, being a footballer, I think everybody knows it's one of the, it's the biggest sport in the world. And for him to open up like that and probably to get a lot of kind of backlash as well, you know, a lot of stigma, and it, it was it's an unbelievable thing to be part of. And then it, it was someone as well from Rizzo Kicks as well, who again, you know, he was really successful at 21 years old. He sold like, millions and millions of songs and you know produced so much songs to then have a reverse in his life and just everything got too much for him and again that's just you know being in the limelight being in the media but all three of us coming together and kind of creating this story with L'Oreal November just a pan world stories man as well and that was it is we are the real world stories man I'd free together although I'm physically the world stories man the biggest guy I'd free together as a team the world stories man and anyone that opens up are the world stories man so I think that's where people need to realise that's where the message is not just because you go to the gym you lift weights, oh, he's the world's strongest man. If you open up, you're the world's strongest man. If you open up to anybody in the world, we are the world's strongest men. And that's, as people, that is what the real world's strongest men. It's great that you all do this because I think sometimes we sort of see figures in the media or we see successful people and sometimes we think, oh, they've got their lives together and everything's perfect. And it's really good to know that we all have difficulties and we're all trying to find our way in life. And for you guys, you get behind this campaign. That's so powerful. Thank you very much, yes. You know, very kind of powerful thing and it's great to be able to give this message out across you know all the platforms and to help kind of hopefully change people's life as well and to let people to get this weight lifted off their shoulders and actually open out and help their life improve from today onwards i've had a look around the website myself as well there's so much information on there and lots of guidance as well and all the helplines that are available it's a really great resource so uh, good luck with everything can you just remind us of the website address as well so people can find the information it's uk.november.com slash support dash as slash L'Oreal dash men dash expert. Fantastic. And as that's a long web address, we'll put that in the notes of the podcast. So if people listen to the radio show now, they can listen to the podcast that we produce afterwards and they can get that link straight away. But thank you so much for everything that you're doing and good luck in the future. So great to speak to you. Tom Stoltman, Strongest Man, 2021 and 2022. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thank you A space to speak your mind with Cornwall Mind. Experiencing a bad night's sleep has a profound impact on how we feel physically and mentally, with 3 in 10 people agreeing that they become more irritable after an interrupted night's sleep, and just under a fifth say that they feel depressed if they haven't slept well. Dr Sophie Maud is a clinical psychologist and mental health expert at Headspace who carried out the research and she joins me now, so good to have you here. Thank you for having me. So what else do these findings show? So Headspace's research show that while experts recommend we're getting between seven and nine hours of sleep per night, over eight million UK adults are getting less than five. It also shows that two thirds of people wish they could get good quality sleep consistently as they know it would improve their mental health. And as you've already alluded to, even one night of bad sleep can affect our mood, right? Making us feel irritable, low in mood, and also leaving us feeling distracted and unable to accomplish our goals in the workplace. And in fact, some people in the research even said they had to call in sick due to really poor quality sleep as it was affecting how they felt so significantly. Yeah, I was just mentioning to you before that 
I've had a week of not very good sleep and then I had my one good night last night and actually feel a bit worse. So it's more the accumulation of sleep, isn't it? Maybe we can have one night where we don't have a great night's sleep, but if it's a continuous thing, it does creep up on us. 100%. And you know, sleep supports so many of our bodily functions. So our immune system, our hormone regulation, the repair and growth of cells, and it is essential for our cognitive functions. That means our kind of brain's ability to work, our emotional well-being, and the prevention of mental health issues such as depression and anxiety. But when I hear you talk about, you know, having that one good night's sleep after a long time and suddenly waking up feeling ill, I think a lot of us can resonate with, have you ever had that patch of work where you're so busy and you're like, don't worry, I've got a holiday at the end of this month. And then you get to that holiday and suddenly you're ill. It's almost like when you've accumulated a significant sleep debt, the moment you do relax, your immune system is like, right, now is the time for you to experience everything else that you've been putting off whilst you've been stressed. I think that happens so much, especially over the Christmas period, because we work so hard to have that Christmas break. And the amount of times on Christmas Day have not been well or had a bad night's sleep, it does have that impact. And you're talking there, especially about our mental health. If we're going through a bit of a difficult time anyway with our mental health, having bad sleep can make things feel worse, but also not having a good sleep isn't great for our mental health to begin with. Yes, it can be both the cause of our psychological struggles and also something that keeps them going. So what are the factors that are damaging our chances of getting a good night's sleep? So there's loads of things, really. The kind of the things that we often think about are drinking coffee too late in the day, exercising too late or eating too late or having no sleep routine. But the research is showing that actually the top kind of things stopping people from sleeping at the moment in the UK are being too stressed and having financial pressures. And what really often happens, and we saw this in the data too, is that when we're really stressed out, we get into bed we expect to relax, but actually this is when those worry thoughts and our to-do lists suddenly flood into our mind, keeping us awake. So is it really about preparing for a night's sleep? I mean, I guess you're saying there that because we have that time where we're suddenly able to think a bit more in the day and that's the, the one time is where we actually want to be relaxing and not thinking about those things. So how do we actually prepare for a good night's sleep? Well, I love that you've talked about being prepared. I think this is so important because actually a good night's sleep starts by preparing for it in the daytime. So one really practical thing you can do is a couple of hours before bed, set aside what we'd call worry time. So you schedule this in for the same time every day. You write down everything that is stressing you out, whether you think it seems rational or not. Then you go through that list identify anything that you can do something about practically and write down next to it when you're going to do that thing and what exactly you're going to do, but make sure it's not for today. Then anything else on that list that you can't do something about right now, you're going to say to yourself, I've written it down. I will tackle this from tomorrow. Right now, I'm going to let it go. And then this is when other coping skills such as mindfulness are really good to practice because they help you not only identify your thoughts, but also let them go so you don't fall into these rabbit holes that we so often fall into, you know, one worry leading to a million more. And there is one thing I would say, I have been the person listening to these radio shows thinking, oh, I must take notes. I want to try all these things so I can feel better and then immediately forget what it is I've been told about. So if you are struggling with your sleep, Headspace, the app, has a new program called Finding Your Best Sleep, and it's been developed by sleep experts who really know what they're talking about. They will teach you both worry time and the mindfulness I've been talking about, but they will also show you how to use other, many more other evidence-based skills and techniques that will help you improve your sleep, 
feel less stressed in general and subsequently feel more happy in just 10 minutes a day. So there's so many things that we do when we're getting ready for sleep that we shouldn't be doing. We're using our phones, we're having the bright lights, the blue lights as well, which obviously impacts our awake time, isn't it? Because it's putting us back into that switch of saying, actually, it's daylight and we should be up and about. Yeah, and actually, so people now are kind of looking into, is it blue light? And therefore, we fix that by just putting on, you know, kind of a nighttime screen, you know, those filters that make your phone orange. And or is it actually that often what we're doing around our phone is waking us up too? Because you're rarely doing something boring, are you? Normally, you're kind of looking at pictures of friends. Maybe you're scrolling on the internet or scrolling on social media or texting friends. And this leads to an influx of other kind of brain chemicals that keep us awake. So removing screen time apart from, for example, essential things, let's say, for example, you use your phone for mindfulness, which I do, is imperative if you're wanting to set your sleep up for success. It's interesting as well, because for me, I deal a lot with sound and I'm very much not visual, it's more oral for me. So a lot of the time I'll be either listening to music or podcast, or as you say, using the Headspace app. And I find, I don't know if it's counterintuitive, but I don't like a quiet space. I like something that sends me to sleep in a way. Yes. Well, going back to the idea of when we get into bed and our brain becomes flooded with worry thoughts, one of the reasons that this happens is throughout the day, we're so busy that those thoughts, those worries can't really come to the center of our mind, right? We're constantly distracted. And so for a lot of us, when we like to hear sounds, when we like to hear music, particularly soothing sounds, we're not only having this kind of audio sensation that sends a message to your brain of relax, this is safe, you're listening to the noise of the jungle or the rain. We're also giving our brain something else to do, something that's not so distracting that we stay awake, but that kind of keeps us away from those worry thoughts. That's so interesting. So what's your major top tip for getting a good night's sleep? It's counterintuitive. Okay. Often people listen to these things and then get into bed and they're excited. We're going to sleep for eight hours. And then when they don't fall asleep straight away, they worry, right? Oh my goodness, I'm going to feel terrible tomorrow. So I would really like to recommend that actually you shift your kind of concept of sleep. And instead say, I'm going to get into bed. I'm going to give myself eight hours. My body is going to relax. If I sleep, I sleep. But if I don't, I'm going to make the most of this quiet time. This will stop that kind of stress cycle that can keep us from sleeping that I see so often in my clinic. It's interesting, isn't it? Because we sometimes think that we're not getting any sleep. And then if we're using a tracker device, we actually find out we are sleeping more. And there is also the evidence, is there not, that even if we're not getting the sleep, the actual just the resting is repairing our body, is giving us that time that we need. So it's not necessarily about having that completely closed off shut eye that we might think that we need. Yes, I'm so delighted that you just said this. Absolutely. So firstly, resting your body is actually the most important thing, right? As in like trying to calm the mind, calm the body. And the second thing is that I'm so excited that you mentioned, because no one really talks about this, is the research shows that often when we think we're awake, we've actually been to sleep. We just didn't realize it. So where can we find out more information about what we've been talking about today? Well, Headspace has a website, headspace.com. And also you can just head to wherever you download your apps and grab your free trial of Headspace today, should you want to. Some great advice there. So that's Dr. Sophie Mort, who's a clinical psychologist and mental health expert at Headspace. Bye. A space to speak your mind. As many as two in three adults in Great Britain who've experienced any gambling problem have kept this hidden, new research from Gamble Aware has revealed. The charity is issuing a call to end damaging stigma and encourage those who may be experiencing gambling harms to open up about gambling. And to hear more, I'm joined by Dr Ellie Cannon, who's an NHS GP. Good to have you with us. Hi there. So what are the reasons for this high number of people with gambling problems keeping it hidden? 
Well, unfortunately, it is stigma. So we know that particularly gambling addiction is really associated with stigma and shame and guilt and fear and judgment. It's often one of the hidden addictions So not as obvious, perhaps, to loved ones and friends as drug or alcohol addiction. And there's a lot of stigma around gambling, particularly in terms of people feel shame, they feel they're to blame themselves, and that really stops them getting the help they need. And who are you finding it's affecting the most? Has it changed in recent years? Well, obviously, as with any mental health problems, we know that anybody can be affected by gambling harms. Certainly, it's more prevalent, sadly, amongst communities who are also affected by the cost of living crises and other markers of deprivation. We know that many more women are affected by gambling harms than they ever used to because gambling is much more accessible than it ever was because of the digital world. It is much easier for anybody to get involved in gambling from the comfort of their own home. So it's really anybody can be affected. And that's why it's so key that we are talking about it and breaking open the shame of it. You mentioned there about things like online and scratch cards. Do you think that is a reason about the secrecy? Because it is something we can do away from other people. That must obviously be a factor as well. Yes, it certainly is. Obviously, the environment for gambling has completely changed in the last sort of 10 to 20 years. So rather than thinking about one-armed bandit machines in slot machine halls or bookmakers, Now we're very much looking at gambling sites, gambling apps. So it's very much something people do at home, at work, while they're watching TV with their family, even while they're having a meal with their family. So it's a very different ballgame. There's very different products around. Often the products are particularly targeted to certain groups. For example, they might have particular features that are more attractive to women or to young people. So unfortunately, it certainly does contribute to the change. And we mentioned before about our mental health. This can have a huge toll, the gambling, the secrecy. What other issues have come up from it that you've seen? Well, we see plenty of issues, sadly. Of course, people know about the financial loss that people experience. We're very aware that it affects loved ones and gambling harms people's relationships with their partners, with their families, with their friends, with employers. So it can really affect somebody's employment. And then, of course, there are the actual health consequences. So mental illness can be very strongly associated with gambling, particularly with anxiety and depression. And it can also cause physical harms. People will often gamble rather than sleeping. So it can cause problems because of insomnia and other physical issues. So sadly, it is something that causes a wide spectrum of pervasive effects. And how can we go about tackling this issue, do you think? Well, I'm really pleased to be working with Gamble Aware because the whole point of today in this current campaign is to really break down this stigma that I've spoken about. We know that is such a barrier for people coming to get help. Around two in five people say that it's stigma really that stops them reaching out for support. So opening up the conversation can break the stigma and really making people aware that there is 
a lot of help available, whether it's through the Gamble Aware website, the National Gambling Helpline that's open 24-7. People can speak to their GP. Even having a first conversation with a loved one or a friend can be really valuable. Yeah, it really is having that first conversation because, as you say, we sometimes have the guilt, the shame, and having just that one conversation can sometimes just take the pressure off a little bit, can't it, if, if we're really feeling the pressure of it all. And having someone else that can maybe look out for us and maybe be our support, it's really that first step in solving this problem. Yes, that's exactly right. And I think possibly that's why it might be easier in the first instance for somebody to speak to the National Gambling Helpline because that is anonymous um, and those people don't know you when you're phoning up. So that takes some of the shame away. Likewise, looking at the tools available online at Gamble Aware, there's a self-assessment tool. So you can start to type in all of your own sort of specific needs and specific problems and get actual tailor-made support. And knowing what support is out there can often be really encouraging for people to see that through. We'll put a link to everything you've just mentioned there, but just remind us one more time, where can we go if we're concerned about others or if we just want some information for ourselves? There's plenty of advice available online if you search Gamble Aware, and that's for people affected themselves or for affected others, so loved ones and family members. And then we've also got the National Gambling Helpline, which is available 24-7. It's 0808. 8020133. And we'll put a link to that information in the notes of the podcast of this radio program. So if you're listening to the radio show now, just download the podcast afterwards and you'll see the notes on our December show. So thank you once again to NHS GP Dr. Ellie Cannon. Thank you. A space to speak your mind with Cornwall Mind. This is A Space to Speak Your Mind. Now time to hear from Joe from Cornwall Mind to find out what's happening this month. Brilliant. Thanks, Richard. We've got some really exciting news. Minds have just launched a brand new service called Supported Self-Help, and we're absolutely thrilled to be part of it. We know that so many people need support and are often faced with really long waiting lists. It's a free six-week guided program, and it's for anyone over the age of 18, and it's to help with common mental health problems. There are eight different pathways, as they call it, so help with things like anxiety, depression, managing stress, understanding the menopause, coping with grief. So you'll get regular calls to give you support and you'll receive materials to help you understand and manage your feelings. You don't need a diagnosis and you can refer yourself and it's really easy to sign up. If you go to our Cornwall Mind website, under what we do, we've got a section that says one-to-one and it sits under there as a project. Or you can go on the Mind website. I think they've actually got it on their homepage at the moment, and it's called Supported Self-Help. So Christmas is just around the corner, and we know it can be a really difficult time for people. People can feel so much pressure and stress, you know, whether it's spending money or spending time with family that perhaps you don't really want to. And we do put a lot of pressure on ourselves to plan a perfect Christmas, and we might not really want to. We might not even enjoy Christmas for so many different reasons. So what we're doing is we're sharing some tips in the run-up to Christmas on our social media platforms. So you can find these on Instagram, Facebook and LinkedIn at Cornwall Mind. And if you go on our website, cornwallmind.org, we've got a news item, Coping at Christmas, and that's got a link that will take you to some really useful information with lots of tips to help you cope at Christmas. And just to remind everyone that we will be closed for the Christmas week. So we'll be closed from the 22nd of December 
to Tuesday, the 2nd of January. And if you need any help on our website, callmymind.org, we do have an urgent help button at the top right-hand corner of the page where you'll find lots of links to help and support. And we'd just like to take this opportunity to wish everyone a very healthy and happy Christmas. And we look forward to seeing you in the new year with lots of exciting things happening at Cornwall Mind. A space to speak your mind with Cornwall Mind. That's all for this month's show. If you missed anything, you can download the podcast right now on Apple, Spotify and Amazon Podcasts. For support and more information for better mental health, visit cornwallmind.org or call the Mind Helpline during office hours on 0300 123 3393. There's a 24-7 NHS local urgent mental health response phone line, which is free to access by anyone, any age on 0800 038 5300. And don't forget you can call the Samaritans anytime for free on 116123. If you'd like to be part of the show, you can get in contact. Just email space to speak your mind at gmail.com. And to find out more about us on the socials, just follow Cornwall Mind on Facebook or Instagram. And we look forward to you joining us next time here on A Space to Speak Your Mind. A Space to Speak Your Mind with Cornwall Mind for better mental health.